0: I'm Mark, he's Brian, Mark 2.0. We welcome Joshua Schultz. Joshua, welcome to the podcast. Start off by talking about Americana. You have to.
1: Okay, Uh, nice. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. So Americana is a neo-Western film. The way I kind of describe it, it's kind of like if you took Yellowstone and Sons of Anarchy. Um, It's about this uh, military vet who lives in the desert in this sort of forgotten town next to an Indian reservation, and uh, um, they have a big problem with children uh, going missing and being kidnapped into human trafficking. And But in the Americana short, we decided to make it very simple and minimalistic. We decided to just tell a story about a father and him dealing with the loss of his daughter. And then, you know, some things happen, some stuff unfolds, and there's a little bit of a plot twist at the end, and um... anyway, so that's Americana, and the idea was to make this short film, which we can then utilize to get funding to make the full movie.
2: Yeah. Wow. You know, Americana, everybody, um, please... Please. I beg you to see this thing. It's, it's brilliant. Let's start first with the actors themselves. Josh, I, I I think you did an amazing job. Everybody, Josh is in this thing and he does an insanely great job. Oh, by far. How did you get to be such a great actor, Josh?
1: Well, um, thank you. I am kind of obsessive when it comes to anything I do in art. And so I, I, I decided, I'd come up with a story and I decided I wanted to play the part, but my buddy was like, well, how are you going to play the part with 300 pounds? Um, So the first thing I did was lose 130 pounds for, um, you know, to get into the, the role. But I also, I learned about the character. Like, I went and hung out with motorcycle guys that were similar. I started doing military training so that my workout routine was the same as as that military branch so that the muscles were formed in the same way. Uh, um, I interviewed vets that were similar to the character and I just kind of decided to approach the film in a way of just being the character, like living as the character for a long time so that when it came time to film, because I also had to direct it, I could easily just be the character and I knew everything about him. And um, I I, I meet other actors that can like go in and out of character really easy, but the way I kind of do it is I like become the character. For example, we're working on the story for the movie and my character needs to be a Navy SEAL vet. So I met one of the top Navy SEALs out here. And last week I started Navy SEAL training. Um, So I'm like going shooting, I'm gonna learn how to clear houses so that all of my movements are so drilled and so a part of me that by the time we shoot the movie, it's realistic for the character. Instead of an actor trying to pretend to do all the movements, I want the muscle memory of here's a guy that's done it 100,000 times. And, uh, um, you know, it's just part of him so that you can see that in the character when, when I play the role.
2: You brilliantly conveyed that. I saw the salute they gave at the beginning. I said, oh, he's going to war or something was my first thing. So I instantly thought military. (laughs) I instantly did go to the military thought, like right there. Um, And the other actors, how many other actors? They were all, where'd you find them? Oh my gosh.
1: So we got really lucky. So the girl who plays my mom, um, she's a James Bond girl. She was in the movie Octopussy. (gasps) Wow. Uh so she uh, she lives in Arizona actually. Ah. Uh, oh. She she's amazing. Like I just I found some old footage of her in the Bond film and she's oh, like
2: Please put in a good word for us.
1: <laughs> yeah, I will, I will. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. She's uh she's great. She's like in her seventies and still just absolutely bo- uh, gorgeous. And then um we had uh the meth head who is in the trailer uh she stars in a show called shameless her name's ruby modine and she's oh yeah i've been on
0: shameless a few times i mean just in the background but
1: oh cool yeah she she dates lip in the show oh Uh, okay uh and then she was in the movie happy death day one and two um as one of the top figures in fact her dad starred in full metal jacket uh and he stars in stranger things a guy named Matthew modine
2: um, oh my! That's yeah, her dad. Wow. Yeah, I yeah. love Matthew. I've seen him just my whole life.
1: He's wow. a legend. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we got lucky because he promoted our film. Uh,
2: she was really good, intimidating. So good. I was just like, "Oh my goodness!" And I, and that that guy and the, her boyfriend. Who was that? Who was
1: that guy? His name is Ty. Mm. Uh, I can't. It's funny. He just texted me. I can't totally. Um, pronounce his last name it's very long but he um he was in hawaii Five O. he's from wow. hawaii incredible actor in fact he contacted me and he he donated to the film and he said if you need a guy to hold a mic get coffee whatever you need i'm there and i was like mm. wow. do you want to play method <laughs> <laughs> oh awesome oh, perfect and he was like yeah. You chose and him because he
2: volunteered, yeah. Well, he was handsome, too. <laughs>
1: well, I'd seen, I'd seen him back. I knew he was good. And then Ruby, I had seen her... Because the character that she had to play, was it was very tough. Like, a lot of people, I think, would go cartoonish with it. And I wanted her to have a more human approach to it. And so, I remember I called one actress and I was like, Hey, do you want to play a meth head mom who sells their kid to sex traffickers? And they were like, No. Um... And yeah, so I, I cast that person as a bartender. And then I called Ruby, and I just knew she could, she would kill the role. Um, and so I was like, Do you want to play a meth head mom? It's also a kid that's like traffickers. And she was like, Tell me more. And so I went into detail about um, the character because I actually had spent time when I was younger with meth heads uh, helping to get some meth heads off of meth. And it's a very, disgusting terrible drug and so when i was building their characters i had a lot of experience with methods and so um i think she liked that and i i I realized like a meth head this mom is still a human still a person but she's been overcome by this chemical that's creating a new personality which i called the chemical personality and so i wanted the internal side of her to still be a mom kind of at war with herself, who, you know, um, was doing terrible things. But anyway, so she killed it, and then, um, there is the computer guy, his name's Rich Paul, he was in, um, Sons of Anarchy, and he's in a new show called The Terminalist with Chris Pratt. Um, oh, we know oh, The Here we go, wow. wow. Yeah. Love that show, but I, I met him at a party, and he's a real military vet, and Actually, it's funny that the meth head guy and him and I were all hanging at the party and we were just chatting and I was telling him about my film. And so when I got the green light to make the film, I instantly thought of Rich and I texted him and uh, I was like, do you want to play this like military vet who hunts traffickers? And he was like, fuck yeah. Um, (laughs) And then um, the guy who plays my brother, his name is Travis Mills, he... He's actually a really famous singer. He has a band called Girlfriends. Um, he has like Travis Barker from Bleak 2 on his <sighs> drums and um, he's Huge got his fan. own TV show on MTV. Yeah, so wow. Wow. Travis is like, makes great music and we met because uh, his label had hired me to photograph him his band and um, great actor. In fact, he was on Good Morning America to promote his new MTV show and then Got rushed out to, to my set to play my brother, yeah. and uh, um, so we had to arrange the whole filming for that. And then um, the girl who's singing in the bar, who who runs the bar, her name's Haley Reinhardt. She's on from American Idol, um, and she had a really famous song. She did an Elvis cover for "Can't Help Falling in Love with You" that has like four billion streams or something. At like. Wow. Blew up. They played at the Super Bowl. Um, who else? Oh, my co-star Renine Pedro. She. I needed an indigenous actress, and I had, I had originally an indigenous actress from uh, a TV show I like, but at the last moment, they had to leave town to go shoot a movie, and so I recasted that role in like four days, and she came in and killed it. Um, and the sheriffs so one sheriff is a guy named Zach Sudfeld who is actually one of my business partners and he played for the Patriots he was a big NFL star he played with Tom Brady and he retired and wanted to get into filmmaking so he was one sheriff and the other sheriff was an actor named Andrew Walker who was a big Hallmark actor Um, I know I'm getting important people
2: uh you know a lot of really things you really do
1: well I was lucky because I've been photographing and directing music videos for years so I I was lucky that I had a lot of artists that trusted me because they had you know I made good quality stuff for them and so well that
2: ain't luck you made quality (laughs) stuff I mean if you say you're lucky did you get into that in a
1: lucky way how
2: did you end up doing that I How kind of
1: in a lucky- in a lucky way. I, I would say that's funny because you say luck, but if I knew the amount of work and pain and suffering that I was going to go through, um, I might have chosen a different profession. Uh, <laughs> but too uh, late. <laughs> when I the way I got into it is I was I had a normal job working for a business. I was a business consultant, wore a suit, no beard. Um, I wasn't happy. So I quit, and, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in life. I knew I wanted to be an artist in some way, and I met this guy who was a photographer and a director, and he worked with some very big people like Paul McCartney and U2. And, um, so I lied to him, and I said, I'm an amazing producer. I didn't even know what a producer was. And he was like, great, I need to produce a music video for this band called Incubus." Um, <sighs> So my first project was. How many times thing. have I
2: seen them in a karaoke bar? Oh wow, <laughs> I love them.
1: But I barely knew the band, so so I produced this music video, and I'm literally Googling things as he's asking me, like, I need this person. I'm like, I know the best guy, and I'm like, what is this? And um, but because I have business background, I knew that it's not fake until you make it. It the real saying saying or secret to success is always deliver. Um, and so. I learned how to do the job. I did it well and I saved the production a lot of money and we made a great music video. For example, like we were going to shoot an underwater scene and Fox studios wanted like, I think 20 grand or something. And I went to my old high school water polo and I got them to give us their pool with an underwater viewing area for like 300 bucks. Um, And then we shot, the whole sequence at my old high school. <laughs> um, and then a week later, he he had lost a camera guy for a project and he was like, hey, I gotta go shoot this documentary with this band called the Band of Horses. And uh, one of the Beach Boys, a guy named Jardine from the Beach Boys, in the Beach Boys studio, you know, six hours north in a place called Big Sur, do you wanna come? And I, I went and I learned how to use the camera. So the first time I ever touched the camera was shooting uh, a beach boy and then this band of horses and, and um and then after that the director reviewed all the footage and he called me and I was like you know I'm found out like they're gonna find out I'm an imposter I'm, I'm caught and he was like your footage is incredible you should pursue photography because you have this natural eye for composition and movement and um so then I went and photographed a a model I was dating at the time. This was before Instagram, and I posted the photos on, on Facebook, and it I got a bunch of bookings. And then a year later, I, you know, was shooting for Rolling Stone and Vanity um, Fair and all these magazines back when they were relevant. Um, and then I started after Rolling Stone. I started shooting a lot of bands, um, you know, either doing the press or album covers. Um, And I really, my favorite was shooting bands because I love music and they're really fun to work with. And then from there, I got into directing music videos. And um, I had seven music videos become the number one trending on YouTube in the world. Um, How many? Seven? Seven seven in one year. Um, And then, which was 2019, and then the pandemic hit. And then everything stopped um then during the pandemic is when I lost all the weight and I wrote the script for this film because I always wanted to make movies um and what I learned in the past is like if you want to do something don't ask for permission don't rely on anyone just do it and so I wrote the script I got funding I recruited all the people and then we went and made the short film which out of anything I'd ever done in my life, was definitely the most painful, hardest, most arduous thing I'd ever done. Um, And it was so like, there's so many things that almost destroyed it. Like we had two hours to put the film into this film festival in Texas and I still didn't have the ending worked out. And in the last hour, I finally got the perfect edit and the ending went from the worst scene in the film to my favorite scene Um, and then I sent it off. And, uh, you know, now we're trying to work on the movie, but it was like, it was hell. Like, I was getting up at three or four in the morning to edit all day into the night. And um, uh, anyway, so it's it's luck in terms of certain things, but I think if you want to be an artist, you really need to understand that you're not going to have any other life. Like, you're just you have to truly enjoy and love what you're doing because you're going to work your ass off all the time and yeah
2: it was good editing and you know what i said to mark i said you know it what he left out what he didn't do was brilliant you know I he just so yeah. le- i thought he i i was like oh they're going to go get him and then and then and then i'm like oh yeah that's really not even necessary i mean i was no. so fired up at <laughs> yeah. that point i'm like yeah and it's right there is all- you know i'm like whoa okay calm down <laughs> this is just like and i'm like but this would make an amazing you know especially if they got guys from uh you know chris pratt is there no i'm just kidding <laughs> because i'm so uh i'm so all about the the military just going in and just fucking ending that shit forever
1: well, what's cool is the way we're structuring the movie without giving too much away. Um, it's a little bit of a love letter to America because you have this town, you have military vets, you have the Indian Reservation nearby, you know, you have the cops, you have motorcycle gang. Um, you have all these different people, walks of life, who so all have different opinions. And, you know, I don't want to make the movie political at all. Um the real message is like, no matter what anyone's background is, they all can get on board with the fact that like kidnapping kids for sex trafficking is not okay. And in the end, there's sort of this unity of people having to like come together and banding together and becoming a strong force in order to overcome the bigger evil, which is these traffickers. Um, And, you know, every character has their character arcs and, um, I'm showing a lot of military vets in the film. In fact, I'm going to put real vets and real you know, Navy SEALs in there. Um, but I don't want it to be one thing. Like, the military vets are going to be these victims that are all wanting to kill themselves. There will be some that are suffering. But then there will also be vets that are, like, badasses and doing great because they're all just humans that are trying to um, live their life with, you know, the trauma and the things that they experienced. And... Um, in a way, that's sort of a message to everyone, because, like, we're all trying to survive. Life is fucking hard. It's tough, and really, we should be banding together and helping each other survive, because just the fact that we, you know, make it through this life is a miracle. Um, and then on top of that, if you, you learn things like warfare and things that are designed to be a protector, to go out and save people that need saving, um, I think... The military guys i met are incredible. For example, um, I'm in Florida right now, and I've had a pretty good experience, but I ran into some um, insecure bros in trucks who were road raging with me and, like, cutting me off and trying to get me into a fight. Ironically, I'm a lot bigger than them, but... The Navy SEAL guy, one thing he trained me was, your job as a protector is to de-escalate things. Yeah. So you need to avoid being in a fight, which I hated because my ego was like, you know, I wanted to make these guys wrong and yell at them. And um, and I was just trying to de-escalate. And uh, but then you also learn, like, he said you avoid a street fight at all costs. Like, you run away is your best defense, get out of it, whatever you can, because no one really wins in a street fight. But if you're in a situation where you have no choice, then they teach you how to take it from zero to ten in a second, and then the fight's over. Mm -hmm. But their mentality is not this, like, ego-driven – it's really this controlled – even mindset. Like, they were telling me, like, outbursts and anger is a sign of weakness – So you learn how to manage that within yourself because, um, you know, you're a protector. So say in this film you have a little girl that's been trafficked. Um, It's more about strategy and planning and how do you take down the evil and not let them utilize your emotions, um, you know, for them to to break you down. Anyway, the training has been interesting because I thought I was just going to like learn how to shoot guns and like kick ass, but it's a lot of, um, mental as well.
2: I can't wait to see the full blown movie. That's going to be so good. Oh my gosh. I want to see it already. So, you know, congratulations, you know, you say you lost 130 pounds, like it was nothing, you know, the movie was the hard part, you know? So how'd you do that? How'd you finally say that's it, man. And, and, and what'd you do to, to, to lose all that weight?
1: So when I decided I was going to do the film I also wanted to um, you know change my whole life and and, and accomplish all the things that I ever wanted so I first thing I did is I found a trainer um, in LA a really great guy named Peter he owns a gym called Farrow's Athletic Club and I was interviewing people trying to figure out who I wanted to train with and You know, I was like, well, you know, I want to look like, you know, Jason Momoa. Like, I like his shape. And he was like, oh, I'm Jason Momoa's trainer. Oh, boy. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'm going with you. And the biggest lesson he taught me was that 90% of all of the hell shit you hear about is all bullshit. Like, 90% of the stuff that is being pushed out there is just companies trying to sell products. And um, unfortunately, a lot of it, it will create an early death. Like it's one day I want to do a documentary just about the food administration. Like how many millions of people die Uh, from bad information. Like me, I was 300 pounds, but I was doing all these things that I thought were going to make me healthy. But obviously I wasn't healthy and I had gone to a different trainer for years and wasn't getting results. And I just happened to meet a guy that knew exactly the truth. And first thing he told me was if you can kill it, Or if it comes from the ground, you can eat it. But basically, stop eating anything man-made. Because your body and stuff is very, you know, for thousands of years, has been eating real foods. It it recognizes and it can break down. And then um, my calorie intake and a thing called macros. Macros is how much protein, carbs, and fat you consume every day. And I have an app where I log my food and it tells me a percentage every day. So he just had me monitor my calories. 50% of everything I ate was protein. Um, You know, and then it was carbs and fat. And then I worked out with him every day and it was like the first four months I lost 50 pounds. My body finally was like, okay, I'm getting the energy I need. I could process this food and you're moving. And, you know, eventually I lost 100 Mm -hmm. pounds. And then... I lost 130. Now I'm trying to lose 20 more, but the last 20 is like <laughs> as hard as the first hundred, <laughs> or harder. But it's um,
2: fantastic, though. You, you yeah. eat you eat protein, vegetables and fruit, water, exercise. That's it.
1: Yeah, I have a gallon of water a day. I eat steak and chicken and fish and a lot of sweet potatoes and um, you know lots of vegetables and. I I ironically don't go that hard. Like, I don't sprint or anything. Like, I go for a lot of walks. I go to the gym and I lift and do push-ups and, you know, ab stuff. And um, eventually I'll try to get into more running just for the fun of it. But – and it's consistency. Like, like you just constantly are healthy every day and your body will change, Mm -hmm. you know. And pushing yourself a bit, like, I'm trying to work off my holiday – bad food so uh, my body will get tired and I'll push myself a little bit more and you do that enough and your body will go oh this is the new normal I'm going to start allocating more energy to him and then all of a sudden I have more energy every day you know it's really your body wants to survive and it kind of wants to be lazy so it's just pushing also there's a book you ever heard of David Goggins he's a Navy SEAL that he anyway he wrote a he has an audio book called that uh, you can't hurt me so every time i wanted to give up i would listen to his book and he's he's like insane he lost like a 100 pounds in three months and has a world record for like pull-ups and goes through all this crazy terrible painful shit so when i listen oh, to him i'm like skin oh. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: i love him he talks about suffering
1: yeah so stay hard yeah you
2: have to suffer yeah
1: yeah
2: oh so he got gosh me a lot of it. yes i do know him <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's great. He's great.
1: Yeah, he's... I'm listening to his second book right now, actually. Uh, so I awesome. could lose the last 20 pounds.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is tough. He is tough. I love listening to him. So um, what were your parents like? Did they... I mean, did, is this... What did you do? Be, did you always get into all this movie stuff from the get-go? They, You knew you wanted to do this pretty young and stuff?
1: Yeah, so... It's funny because part of my childhood, I guess, influenced the film. When I was young, my mom was dating a motorcycle racer, and we had a motorcycle gang constantly coming through our house. which Whoa. Uh, We lived in Washington in Spokane, so I think they were the Hells Angels, but I'm too young to remember. I just remember there was all those biker guys over and... um And at one point my mom just took off, like her and her boyfriend took off for months. And so I was being raised by these motorcycle gang guys. And, um, you know, they didn't take me to school. So I didn't go to school for like a year, but they would teach me weird stuff. Like, you know, this is how you hang posters in prison, which I guess they use toothpaste and they put it on the poster and they they put it on. And I remember one time I was in the backyard with my siblings and like cops, Busted through the fence, <laughs> uh, and they were chasing a guy in a bike. And um,
2: anyway, so oh, shit. This sounds like guys I hung out with. Wow, <laughs> wow. Yeah, They're really so, good parents, though. Josh, you turned out so good.
1: Well, I think I was on my way to that lifestyle, and then when I was about twelve or thirteen, my grandma lived in LA. She was a a producer, so she moved me to LA and put me with a tutor because I was a you know year behind school and sent me to art school and I started learning you know drawing and dancing so I went from like you know you're on the street and you get in these fights with bullies and you know motorcycle gangs and survival to you know now you're learning about shading and composition and different paint strokes and mm. I, I was the big you biggest. must
2: have appreciated that very much
1: <laughs> it was hard at first her. but <laughs> I, to I,
2: calm I, down yeah
1: I fell in love with with art and uh anyway then years later when i started making the motorcycle movie i just felt like i had i had a lot of love for both worlds like there are things that i really enjoy about being free and and i love the brotherhood of a motorcycle maybe not a gang but a group like just when i ride with my guys in la there's this almost military aspect of, like, everybody looks out for each other. And, you know, in L.A., as an artist, life can become very lonely. Um, and so having people in your life that truly care about you and have your back, I think... Actually, it's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day. They are asking me, like, how do you survive as an artist in L.A.? And I said, it's a lot like being in the military. But when you go into... And I've never been in the military, but just from what I've been learning about strategy and and how these guys think, it's how I relate as an artist. Because you're going into a town where a lot of people are hustling and they would gladly kill you or destroy you or rip you apart or, or take down your empire just to get ahead. And you have like some of the snakiest evil people, but everyone is smiling and has to pretend like everything's great. And so... I found the best way to be successful is to have the best strategy. Um, You know, you you have to find people that aren't really your friends and be able to predict their behavior and then have great people in your life to fall back on when you have hard times and produce art and constantly market and put yourself out there. Um, Anyway, so there was just things that I liked about uh, the motorcycle community and the military community and and even my friends in LA and I kind of found a common thread amongst all of them, you know, a sort of this um brotherhood or family uh unit in order to survive uh hell. Anyway, I think I went well, on a What got you out of LA? Oh, that's I was cool. In LA that's for kind ten of- years. Why did
0: you why did you leave?
1: So I was born and raised in LA. Um I spent a little bit of time in Washington when I was with my mom, but I left because I shot the short film in April. And as soon as I shot the short film, I was like, I don't want to do anything but make movies. Um, which means like, I don't even want to go shoot projects that pay me. So I pay my bills. So I was like, I'm going to just get rid of my place and move to Florida where I have family and I could just work full time on editing and, But I also drove across America and met with people in different states in the movie industry. Um, And I just needed a mental break because I don't know what happened, but when the pandemic hit, it seemed like a lot of people just lost their minds. Like murder went up 300%, crime went through the roof. For some reason, they're just letting everybody out of jail. And um, I don't like to get too involved in politics because
0: No, neither do Um, we, but we get where you're coming
1: from.
2: We get exactly. Yeah, we're going to agree with you, though, definitely. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I can only, I only know what I experienced. And, um, I mean, for the first time ever, I was getting, like, somebody try to jump me in Hollywood. Wow, Um, okay. Another guy followed me, and, um, you know, I have, all of a sudden, I had to have a taser every time I walk my dog. Um, And as an artist. This was in Hollywood, or where was it? That was in Hollywood um but even like every time you got on the freeway like I remember one time a guy cut me off so I honked at him so he followed wow. me for miles threatening to murder my family and I Did ended he? Up, um, I ended up pulling up to the cop station and
0: I never seen uh, anything like that over there wow
1: yeah just but it was like constant it was literally like I remember a lot of my friends said that it seemed like people had forgot common decency and I don't know I have a theory that sometimes when you when there are politics and things and people are pinned against each other, there's a certain amount of hate generated. And um, But most importantly, as an artist, I was I just felt like I needed an environment that was very uh, not charged up and full of anger and mm-hmm. hate in order to create. So I, I came to Florida and like I live next to a tropical island and it's beautiful. That being said, I'm moving back to LA probably in like a few weeks. Um, oh, you are. I was, yeah. Wow. I was able to get out for six months, but I just have so many clients. I'm just going to set myself up. I also was told that it's calmed down a bit.
0: Okay.
1: Um, but I also, my mindset is like, I'm going to war. So I'm going to organize myself and prepare myself. And, you know, if I walk my dog Mm -hmm. at night, I'll have a taser, you know, in case I get jumped and you um, just got
2: to be in the right frame yeah. of mind yeah
0: for me there yeah. was definitely things that and I'm with you there was definitely things that I loved about LA like even I I didn't do like working on TV like as my primary thing but when I was working on shows uh what got me out of that is it was all one sided and it was political and it was yeah. the same thing over and over tearing down statutes this that you're getting booked at that whereas before I'd be like pedestrian detective you know uh concert goer, you name it, all, all different things. And then it was just one side, and I'm like, no, it's not for me. Me, it was just so expensive. I'm like, no, you know, yeah. that was my reason for getting out of L.A.
1: It's ridiculously expensive right now. I mean, in Florida, what I really like where I am, it just seems like people are more concentrated on quality of life. And I also found that in Texas. When I went to Texas, there was, like, all these people with beautiful houses, great families, eating well, and then – Also doctors like I was sick when I left LA I had a stomach infection and it would have cost me like I think 20 grand at least in LA in Florida I got basic insurance I found an incredible doctor he did an amazing surgery whole thing was 130 bucks Uh, I was just like, like
2: oh my gosh
1: like I would still be in debt right now in LA uh So, you know, but I also, part of me, it sounds cheesy, but part of me, when I go back to LA, I want to create a group of really great people and maybe try to steer things back towards sanity in LA. Like,
2: Yeah, common sense. I think those people are there waiting for you.
1: Yeah, there is, I have there is people there. like that
0: out
2: mm-hmm. there yeah in fact you know i except for really small areas that are really heavily 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 populated the rest of the state is predominantly let's say leaning in your frame of thought you know or, or you, you know yeah it's like it's like it's, it's agreeing with you across the board pretty much
1: yeah. yeah i actually met a lot of people in california that um really want people to be happy and live well and um we're really trying to go out of the way to be kind to one another and um which is funny because even when i was in la i have family in florida and the other side of the news was trying to convince them that everyone in la was crazy i was Mm -hmm. like i don't know what you're talking about like so my thing is like we're people and um there are people in la that are incredible artists and they really want to create this network of artists that protect each other and inspire each other and are really great people. Like over the years, I've always been so loyal and so kind and um, from all different backgrounds. And so when I go back, I want to like, I want to start hosting dinners where we all get together, you know, we celebrate each other's wins, we talk about problems and, you know, as a group, just sort of be there for each other and hopefully um i have a theory that there aren't enough artists in the world and so sometimes like when i get attacked as an artist or i see other artists get jealous i'm kind of like we should be pushing each other we should be making as much art as possible and that's a little bit what i want in our little group of like you know all of the actors like let's get all of them on shows you know that's smart all the directors let's get them all directing movies um And um, anyway, so hopefully we can do that in L.A. And and I I guess also because I'm obsessive with my own projects, like even though I'm an actor, I haven't really been going out and auditioning. I've just been writing and making my own projects because um, I also love directing. And I love being in the editing room and playing with the, the footage and, you know, coloring and sound and score. And one day, hopefully I'll... Start doing projects that aren't my own, but until then, you know I'm not going to wait wait around. I'm gonna. I've already got three more movies that I want to do. So after I do Americana, I got um, two westerns and a modern day one uh, that's very sad but really beautiful, and uh, and then a serial killer movie. So.
2: You know, I think it's happening and it's kind of represented what you're saying and in your film, too, is like we're trying to push the evil and corruption out of everything and it's in everything and it's in the it's in our art. So we're using alternative measures across the board, whether it be alternatives to media or, you know, companies, big companies or, or, you know, government even, you know, God, it's everywhere. Josh, what are we going to (laughs) do?
1: Well, I think it's two things. I think um, I think it's always been there, but now with social media and how information is passed, it's a lot more obvious um, when things. Like we're shining
2: light on things, you mean?
1: Yeah. Um, Like I remember, I was like, "God, everything's so terrible!" And then I was watching some old documentaries of the '90s, and I was like, "Shit, I didn't know all that stuff was happening." (laughs) And like, you know, like even Woodstock, I was like, Woodstock's awesome. And then I watched the documentary and I was like, fuck, man, a lot of rough shit happened at Woodstock. But I think I also have this weird theory. I think that technology wise, we've advanced so much, but I think as a people, we still are very basic. Like we have a long way to advance to learn how to get along with each other and, because um, I do think there's a lot of really great people in the world. Like, social media sometimes will give you the impression, and the news, too, that everything's bad and terrible. And then when you actually go out in the world and you meet and talk to people, it's not like that at all. It's like, if you had one friend who was always a piece of shit and always told you terrible, negative stuff and made you feel shitty, that's the whole news, like, they they make money. They don't make money off of uh, sharing happiness and, and great things. They have to no. go seek out death and disaster. And so I think I've been learning over time that um, instead of the Internet going in the direction of, like, let's share all this great information and be more connected as humanity, it's, like, let's have as many sensational clickbaits so that we can sell ads. And um, so there's a lot of just straight up lies being, or half truths, and so it's tough. When I read something, I'm always like, I don't know if this is true or not. And then you have to kind of like research and figure out, like, um, is this a straight up lie, or is this an opinion, or, so it's tough. But I remember when I left LA, I definitely had points of views about the world. But then I was stopping in all these states and I started realizing like, holy fuck, there are so many great people that really, like I was, there. there's very few things that make me cry. Like I was raised to be very, you know, you don't show emotion. But one thing that always makes me cry is when I see people being kind to other people. Like if there's an accident and someone's pulling somebody out of a car or surprising a kid or going to hospital or like just people being great to each other. And I saw so much of that across America that it made me realize that what's being reported isn't actually the reality. The reality is there's a fuck ton of amazing people that are very sane and really care about each other. And then there's some, uh, I believe some people that maybe want us to be divided And uh and then maybe some assholes, you know. Um, and but I also think a lot of the really great people in the world aren't on Twitter. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're like living lives, taking care of their families, making art. And then there's assholes that are like, I know I can rile people up on Twitter, so all day they're just sitting there and like um or Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. Um anyway, so then going back to an art point of view, when I was wanting to make Americana, I think about like, what is the purpose of the story? Like, what impact can I make on the world? And um, one thing that's great about the story is I can make a movie where I can really work hard and make a high quality movie. But then I'm also constantly reminding people of this problem, human trafficking. And then for the movie, we actually signed on two big anti-trafficking charities. And so, and we're going to do a motorcycle run across America and raise awareness so that we're constantly shining a spotlight on this problem. Um, like, to me, the fact that sex trafficking isn't, like, the number one news in the world at all times is mind-boggling to me. Because um, every time I learn about sex trafficking, it fucking infuriates me. Like, I want to just get an army and go, like, destroy all traffickers, you know? Um And being from Arizona,
2: you know, I lost a couple of family members to narcotics, fentanyl, and they were really close to me. I mean, too close. And I thought to myself, there's only one people I want dead first. It's those fucking kid traffickers. (laughs) I want them gone. I want them gone first. As much as I want revenge on those fentanyl people, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever like that, I just want those people who hurt kids well gone. i think
1: ironically those are the same people <laughs> the fentanyl yeah. you know um
2: well that'll be a good deal for me when they die so i i, I you know and <clears throat> what's cool to me too is that like we heard from uh is it ben Meo, right told us that all the chris pratt that cast they're all really patriotic uh, military guys who really want to defend freedom and stuff like that, you know? And so I'm, I'm just waiting for somebody to really go in there. I mean, have you heard that any effort is made to go, I mean, why don't we just go, go kill those fucking sons of bitches right now?
1: (laughs) Well, um, it's funny. I think that when it comes to military standpoint, it's so, I don't know if nice is the right word, but it's nice when you have an enemy that's defined that you can see. I think that's why Hollywood is so tough because you have everybody that's disguised as your friend and you mm-hmm. don't necessarily yeah. know who wants to destroy you and who doesn't. And so sometimes I, the idea of being able to go to war with an identified enemy is, is nice. Cause it's like, I have something I can direct my training towards, but Trafficking, there's so many layers of manipulation and lies that um, it's tough. And this is just me. I'm not a professional, just from the basic research that I've learned. But there is a lot of people out there. There's like ex-special forces that have charities. They raise money. And they're constantly tracking these people and you know mm-hmm. taking them down. But I do, I do kind of feel a little bit like sometimes it feels like um you know a guy with a bucket who's you know pulling water out of the ocean like
2: <clears throat> please you know what you know we first, need a lot more first, first i I like to know that the, the younger people are awake and they know they understand what's going on because I think a lot of the generation is so distracted you know they, they they're not gonna get it but there's if there's enough people like you out there oh, yeah. especially brilliant artists another thing I like is how you you know started out like kind of at zero you know less than zero and you are here now that means that means you're not only talented you're brilliant and so i'm gonna keep an eye on you pal you know best podcast ever you know bill (laughs) howard is a friend of ours and uh yeah and so
1: am i talking there's a guy bill i'm talking to who's a charity guy is bill howard a charity guy
0: no, he's a
2: photographer.
0: And oh, he's a producer. photographer, yeah, and then you know, he,
1: you know who we're talking about.
2: He he led us to him, right? right yeah. Mark? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. Oh, that bill. sir. Yes,
1: this yeah, bill. Yeah, yeah he, no, it's okay. He,
2: yeah. So
1: he, me. Yeah, he's he, awesome.
2: yeah, he had a regular job. He was kind of, you know, you reminded him kind of the same story. He was mm-hmm. just like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do this, yeah. you know. And he goes into photography. The next thing you know, you know, he's making movies, you know, and it's like you know, documentaries and all this. And, and it's just great that this can happen in today's day and age where how and long ago was this so impossible? Not that long too. ago. Yeah. 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 He's such
1: a great, like, he was so fun to work with, so positive. He's oh, really yeah. good at his job. And that's the thing is like, like I came up with the idea. We shot it in April. We released it in September. Um, I had my first real meeting with an investor this morning for the feature but the movie is going to be very different than the short and it takes like going on podcasts, meeting people um, and sort of recruiting them into the family in order to make it happen. Like me by myself, that's what's interesting. Like photography, I can get a camera and go out and do that movie making. Sure. You need a fucking village of people Mm, that are like-minded with the same purpose. And if you don't have that, then you ain't making shit. And so I've been lucky that I met a lot of, incredible people that push this forward but sure. like you want it comes out in the movie like we're going to probably need your guys' help to promote it and yeah um that's what we I mean.
2: we would love to be a part. that's of that. why we do this exactly yeah we love that that was my next thing i was gonna say but you you're so resourceful you know and like you got that thing done at your high school and it reminded me of bill they got this tiktok guy acting in it and then they got into this courtroom and used real stab and everything yeah. to shoot in there are i'm like shit these guys are real. smart man and you're exactly <laughs> the same you know what i'm you like are. man these guys are on to something. This is true art, you know. Forget all that. You know, I'm just I'm kind of sick of Hollywood. You know what's weird is I think the popularity of things like YouTube go beyond network TV. It's something they can't achieve, no. and they'll never be able to achieve real, real content and real entertainment. Because I've just think YouTube makes me laugh like network TV almost never maybe once in a blue moon but man
1: and well, i'm just I think glad one thing smart that... people like
2: you are in mm-hmm. the in the forefront and doing that yeah. you know i don't want a bunch of crazies getting a hold of mm-hmm. this wonderful thing and just letting those horrific things continue in the world josh and man thank you for making americana first because it oh, hit yeah. hard i was tears 10 minutes mm-hmm. in i was like oh, awesome. my oh, yeah, god, oh my god this is hurting me and I, I i was like oh it's over no
1: i need more yeah. so don't stop
2: don't stop please uh, yeah. no no i loved, it. Well, I loved yeah. it
1: i think everybody wants good content so i think if you make good content people are gonna watch it like the terminal list i remember it was getting attacked and um i so i watched it i fucking watched that show three times in a row it was so good i watched oh, it in one exactly. day
2: i watched all eight i blew yeah. off everything I shut my so phone off. I'm like, oh my god! And I was like, and I heard that there was going to be a second season. I'm like, oh my god! I goodness. hope so. They, yeah, they said Oh yeah, said one of the they were one of the doing guys it. That was oh, in one of the yeah. episodes. Said, yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah!
1: That. I um, uh, I weirdly uh, for training for Americana, I went to a, a gun range. I think it's invite only. It's called Terron Tactical. It's where they train Keanu Reeves for John Wick, and mm-hmm. they're like the top in the world. So they were running me through this course and there was this guy there named jack carr and um, i was like what do you do and he's like i'm an author and you know i'm x steel or whatever and i'm like cool and he was rad and then months later i saw that he's the fucking creator of terminalists he wrote
2: oh yeah
1: that's right i
0: you
2: was like what about you josh you seem like someone who's already got limitless resources and millions of dollars but you know, I, I know you know <laughs> no, all I these don't. people and you're throwing out these names. And I'm like, it's only probably two, a couple more hours, and someone's just gonna go, Well, just give this kid anything he wants. I mean, uh, you is just so. so clear, and, and yeah. you know, so many people. Wow, please just let us, uh, yeah, let us help you in any way we can because you sure. are a treat to talk to. Um. And yeah. I would be proud to be involved. So much. Oh,
1: I don't know if I could cuss. No,
2: <laughs> you're podcast? fine. You're good. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: But anyway, any you, you know we, we we've had you here for an hour. How do you want to yeah. How do you want to put a cap on this whole thing, Josh? Oh, uh,
1: so I just started my own podcast. Um, it's called the Joshua Schultz Podcast. Yeah, great, send great us great the link. We'll we'll add it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, cool. everybody, get over there and subscribe.
1: Yeah, and then and then when this is out, send it to me. I'd love to promote it. To we will. Place. Yeah, we're all the way.
0: D-
2: Definitely. And how can everyone watch Americana? Everybody, you're gonna you're gonna love this. We'll, we'll put it in the description. Oh yeah, of yeah, course. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. of course. Yeah. yeah. All, <laughs> all right. right. So perfect. get over. Everybody, go discover so Josh like we did. And thanks, thanks bro, lot. for coming. All Appreciate right. it. Yeah. Thank
1: you so.